Lord, as uh, your light of your word illuminates our hearts, may the light uh, that we now see make us aware of uh, your great love for us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, now you can see the bags under my eyes. I'll introduce myself. Uh, my name is Reverend Stuart Perry. Uh, if you're visiting uh, our church, uh, welcome. Um, tonight is a very special night. Uh, it is a very special service. And it is an opportunity for us uh, to really celebrate what it means uh, to be in a relationship with our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. But Christmas has a lot of extras. Christmas has lots of bits and pieces that add together to make what is becoming more and more of a production each year. I'm wondering if anybody uh, this year has had an advent calendar. A couple of nods. Advent calendars are a way of building up expectation for Christmas. And while they're normally targeted at children, you can get all sorts of calendars for any age or stage. One of my school friends um, runs a business importing international craft beer. He's one of my best friends, by the way. And he was telling me how many Advent beer calendars he was having to make up this year. You can forget about Elf on a Shelf. An Advent beer calendar seems the perfect way to build excitement and expectation in the lead up to Christmas, if you ask me. But I don't actually speak from experience because I've never had an Advent calendar. I know. We've got them for our kids before, uh, but my parents never got them for us when I was growing up. I don't ever remember them being a thing when I was growing up. I was completely naive to Advent calendars until this year. My wife, Leanne, bought Advent calendars for the whole family. Caleb, who's 11, got a Lego Advent calendar. Annika, who's 17 and playing the flute tonight, uh, got one from the body shop. My wife, Leanne, got an organic beauty products calendar. And I got socks. <laughs> don't, be, don't feel bad for me. I actually love socks. I know, weird, right, isn't it? I actually like shopping for clothes. And I find it very hard to pass up a good bargain on a good pack of socks, especially in the sales. So I was very excited to receive my advent calendar this year from Happy Socks. You know, those ones with the crazy patterns on them, you can be dressed conservatively, um, but you've got this hidden secret that you've got a little glimpse every now and again of, of multicolored socks. You could be even wearing um, church robes and find that you've got reindeer socks on at this very minute. I have a problem though. I've got 24 different pairs of socks 
um, in that advent calendar. But I don't really need any more socks, especially happy socks. Because I bought a whole stack in last year's sales and I've got a secret stash in our wardrobe of ones that I haven't even opened yet. Now I have 24 more pairs of socks. I've been trying to wear a new pair each day, but in the middle of summer, where you don't wear long pants every day, it's been a bit hard to wear each pair. You could wear them with shorts, but I'm not really that weird. So I've been trying to figure out what to do with all of my happy socks. I don't think I actually ever need to buy a pair of socks again, especially socks to wear under long pants. So it got me thinking, what do I do with this overflow of socks? Maybe I could be like Oprah and get you to look under your seat. You get a pair, you get a pair, you get a pair. Everybody gets a pair. Being generous and giving away all of my socks. But I'm not sure I get many takers for the ones that I've worn a number of times. I could pretend that I was rich and famous and just not bother washing them and just wear them once and throw them out. But that seems so wasteful. And I don't think I could ever bring myself to throw out perfectly good socks. I'm still not sure how I will make the best use of all those socks. But in the meantime, I'll enjoy the novelty of the overflow of the abundance of socks in my life. For many, the idea of even more Christmas is a little bit like my sock situation. Christmas is nice and all, but we don't need even more. Who wants even more shopping, pressure, Busyness, preparation, cooking, wrapping, putting up with all those annoying relatives that drag you to Christmas church services. But when I'm talking about even more Christmas, I'm not talking about that sort of Christmas. I'm talking about the Christmas that Luke writes about in his gospel. Emperor Augustus had called for a census which was way more complicated than the Australian Bureau of Statistics ones that we have to do every few years here. You had to physically move people around to their place of origin. And the purpose of that was all about the empire. So that they could levy taxes, draft men into the military, and could control problem areas. A Roman census was about moving people around to be counted so that they could be further exploited. In the Old Testament, at the end of Samuel, when King David calls for a census, God gets really angry and punishes David. God doesn't seem to like the idea of counting people so that they can be exploited. It is into this world that God tells us that we count by becoming one of us to save all of us. Good news of God's faithfulness in the past is great, but what about today? What about in our world of drought, bushfire, 
international tension, anxiety, depression, consumerism dominant in some places, and poverty and oppression dominating others. What does even more Christmas mean in that type of world? Well, it's not nostalgia, and it's not mythology in that manger. It's not even just history in that manger. It is grace in that manger. Jesus being born in that humble way is in stark contrast to the impact his name, his example, and his teaching has had on our world. But more than being just a significant one-off event, that first Christmas has the potential of being reborn over and over again in any life, and in the same life a multitude of times. The gift of God, as God made flesh in Jesus, is such a radical outpouring of love, not just on a select few, but on the entirety of all creation. All that is required is for us to accept this gift and we will receive grace upon grace, much more of an overflow than my sock collection. And this overflow is significantly more useful than socks. The overflow of grace and love that Christmas represents is not for us just to hold on for that moment until we feel better or until we use it up and it needs replacing or until something better comes along. This overflow of grace and love is meant to spill out from us onto others and in the world in which we live. Christmas means a grace and love soaking of humanity by all of those who have accepted this gift. This gift does not mean that we will be preferred, privileged, or protected in any way that others will not. What it means is that because we have received so much love and grace, and because we are assured of a continuous supply of love and grace, we just simply cannot sit and wallow in a pool of love and grace and enjoy it just for ourselves. We have to pass it on. But there is another problem. This is not always the way that Christians feel about Christmas or even the love and grace that we have such ready access to we can get caught up in our own self-focus. We can start to believe the lie that we are better than others, or that actually we don't need the grace and love that God so freely gives us in Jesus. And so the world doesn't always see grace and love flowing from the church. Sadly, all too often, it sees abuse, hypocrisy, and irrelevance. 
And that is why I think we need even more Christmas. So that the dominant message coming from my life and the lives of the people in this church and the lives of all those who believe in Jesus all around the world is nothing but love and grace. I pray we realize the power of this gift of grace in a manger this Christmas. I pray that we would be a people of abundant overflow of love and grace that not only continues to change us, but continues to change the world in which we live, as it has since that very first Christmas. Amen.